0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to our fourth episode of the EcardiNews.com Debrief Podcast. Rob Howden here alongside David Cole, as always, as the month of May is now done. We are rolling into June, another full month stack full of racing. But David and I are going to take this opportunity to kind of look back at the last couple of weeks uh, the month of May, obviously, crazy in karting. It's crazy in the world of IndyCar as well, as I know firsthand. Uh, but David Cole, you and I both on the road quite a bit through the month of May. A lot of events, a lot of great racing, and really what it comes down to it, that's what we want. We want lots of racing. We want people out there enjoying the sport of karting.
1: Well, especially here in the United States where the weather up north where we live uh, is getting warmer, uh, and you can... You're able to hit the kart track uh, whenever you want instead of those days when it doesn't snow. So, uh, yeah, racing action is busy uh, throughout the country now, and it's an exciting time. And we're just on the verge of su- the summer months. You know, kids are just now finishing up school, a couple of kids graduating. I'm uh, going to a graduation tonight. So, uh, you know, we know we got that feeling of summer around the corner, and, and it's going to be nonstop once we hit the month of July.
0: Yeah, it's nice. No, I, uh, I was on the road for a month, a uh, couple of cool events we were at, but also to be able to come home here, get back in the uh, HMG-EKN World Headquarters, look outside and see the sun, see the blue sky, nice warm weather, and the racing up here as well. We're in the same boat as you, David, obviously in Ontario. Uh, just a couple of races in the books already for the, club, the clubs up here, and of course the events like the, the uh, Eastern Canadian Karting Championship, but really excited to, to get kind of the spring slash summer underway. Folks, this show is being presented by the Mazda Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires. It's pretty easy to see that the Mazda Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires, is developing the future star- stars of the Verizon IndyCar series. At last weekend's Indianapolis 500, 24 of the 33 starters were Indy Lights graduates, and drivers like Sage Karam and Zach Feach have come through the entire ladder system, starting in USF 2000 and then progressing through Pro Mazda and Indy Lights. With over $2 million in scholarships presented each year, the Mazda Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires is simply the best program in the world. David, let's uh, jump in. We've got lots to talk about. We're going to talk about some screws and stuff. We're going to talk about WK Man Cup, uh, the event that you attended. We're going to talk about the Can-Am Karting Challenge race that I uh, hit in Richland, Washington. We'll chat a little about the Indy 500. Uh, not much to talk about Operation Grassroots-wise, and then we'll cap off. Uh, the broadcast, this particular podcast here with our Comet Cart Sales Racing Calendar. David um Supercarts USA as they have have been and putting out their conversations. Uh, Chris Ortenberger from Innovation sitting down and putting a program together to kind of chat with Tom Kutcher, the the president and owner of Supercarts USA, brought another one out and this one, this one was packed. There was a lot of information about Supercarts USA racing, no doubt about it.
1: Well, we're kind of getting in the stage of uh, planning for next year and the years after uh, around this time. You know, normally it, it's June or July, but uh, you know, April and May. I mean, people are already looking to 2018 with uh, you know things they're going to do and things they're accomplish. And Supercars USA is is one of those. And it was a it was a very interesting interview that. Uh, you know, we had we had some ideas of what what was going to go on in the interview, but we didn't know exactly what type of in, uh, information uh, they were going to divulge. And they they dropped the hammer.
0: Yeah, um, obviously a bit of turbulence right now in the industry uh, with the evolution. Let's use the word evolution for the Rotax program. It's not going away. Obviously, the the Rotax program is still strong in many areas. Uh, it's it's there's a lot of clubs and regionals that that still run the program. But there is, of course. An evolution at the national level now that max speed has has been shut down the u.s open slash uh, grand nationals bringing everything together to try to have a, a one big hurrah uh, we'll see what happens uh, for las vegas and the u.s open but regardless this turbulence this evolution this opening has uh, you know put supercarts you at usa i think they're their movement maybe a more on the fast track david than, than it was in the past i know that uh Scusa and Kutcher had talked about moving into Florida and expanding their program throughout the country. But I think with the Florida Winter Tour going to the Rock Cup with Garrett Potter, it's opened up some weekends and not surprising, Supercar USA announcing uh, essentially that they're going to have a, a, a winter program, a winter series, uh, a couple of races in January and February in uh, the Sunshine State.
1: Yeah, we we've obviously had some conversations with Tom about the the evolution of the organization, and even this year we we saw the introduction of Winter Nationals. We knew that was going to be coming eventually. We just didn't know when. And they brought they brought it in this year. Um, you know the <clears throat> excuse me the Florida program that I think might have been coming. In a, in a year or two, but uh, I think they kind of fast tracked it with the way, like you said, the industry has unfolded itself, and and that Supercars USA basically right now is the the top tier uh, in karting in the United States, and and that's where we're at right now with uh, with their program, and so yeah, the Florida program is definitely uh, an interesting deal with the way the Florida Winter Tour is going to be shaping up. For 2018 now with its transition into new ownership as well
0: yeah a lot of changes happening and I, and I think you hit, you hit the nail on the head in terms of Supercar USA really expanding itself being the primary national program three races you throw the Supernats in think about four races so essentially one race each quarter uh, they're drawing between you know anywhere between 230 to 250 entries for these events so this is really the, the de facto national program of the series now or of the, of the sport here in America. Their regional program strong in California. They're, they're working on growing it in Texas, and there are some really good regional programs around the country, whether it's the USPKS Manufacturers Cup, which is both of them regional slash national. Uh, F-Series, of course, a good program as well. I, it's, I'm excited to see some of these big programs settle in and get, and get stronger. I don't care if it's SCUZA, USPKS, F-Series, WKA, We need strong regional and national programs uh, as well. Um, but as you said, to make that move, to look and say, hey, you know what, there's an opening now in Florida. We've talked about going there. This is the opportunity, and I think it's going to be good to grow Supercarts USA and get some more continuity across the country from coast to coast for them to be able to go in there and do a couple of races, and I I, I guess I'm a little surprised, but not with the fact that they've decided just to do two events as opposed to what has been kind of the traditional three-race deal in Florida, the the January-February marches. We're going to see that with the Rock Cup and the Florida Winter Tour, I believe. They'll, do, they'll still do three races, I would, uh, I would expect. Uh, not As I look back, it's not a bad call for Supercarts USA, David, to do those two because essentially they'll do January, February, and then their customer base, those IAMI and, and Stock Honda drivers, they can roll right into the Winter Nationals in March. So really, by going to two races, they're not overloading March and not overloading their, their clientele as well, which I think in the end will be a good idea.
1: Well, I think that's key in, in being able to promote regional and national events. I mean, we we see it with uh, Mark Coates in his program. He's trying not to overlap the USPKS program and his regional program Route 66. You know, trying to make sure that people have the opportunity to do both, or people have the opportunity to do one or the other, and not feel, especially the industry members, feel strained about going to all these events. And yeah, two two events is something different, something unique. And you know, that you know, you know, you know Tom personally, we know Tom personally. He doesn't like to follow what people do. He likes to take and see what what works and what doesn't work, and he knows that that trying to to cram all these races into one or two months is not going to work. So it's better to just just provide these these two months with with, you know, four rounds of racing and and go at it. You know, quick, simple, easy, have fun expand the brand and uh and move on from there yeah. now the, in, the the interesting part is 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 what we're going to talk to talk about next which is you know the expansion of the pro cart challenge east of the mississippi you know that that's what's really going to question uh what the industry is thinking and what he's thinking and who is he working with and et cetera. Et cetera. what's going to happen with this program
0: yeah the teaser about uh, having a pro kart challenge east program which has been uh, has been asked for by a lot of people uh, especially if you're an iamy driver or even more if you're a shifter kart driver There's people out there in stock honda on the you know if you're on the um, uh, the east coast where do you race stock honda you know a really good group of drivers with the f series uh, but we're not talking 50 60 70 guys we're talking 30 guys potentially you know they've got a small 125 faction that runs the s uh, ira street races in indiana there's just not a, a lot of great places to be able to go stock Honda racing. And and whether it's stock Honda racing or whatever shifter cart gearbox competition, whatever engine formula is going to be rolling in the next three to four to five years for Supercarts USA, if they want to grow their program, they have to move into the east. They've got to get a, a solid program going in the east. And and I think if you look at east coast, let's start by looking at west coast drivers. If you're a west coast shifter cart driver or a scooter racer, let's just say you're a scoozer racer, you have the six Pro Kart Challenge races, and then you can go do the, uh, the Pro Tour. You can do the Super Nationals. There's 10 races there for you. You want to add a couple more races in, the LAKC is there in Southern California as well to be able to run it, or you can run up with the Can-Am Karting Challenge uh, with Mike Rawlison that runs the Stock Honda categories as well. Well, the even,
1: even the Sanzura. And, yeah, and true Genoa, enough. You you can run,
0: yeah, you can run the Sanzura program at at, uh, at you, Sim Raceway.
1: Utah has a, has a big shifter gathering. Uh, Colorado has a big shifter yeah. gathering. So a lot of these guys in the western states have plenty of opportunities to race shifter carts.
0: So what do you do in the east? If scuzo rolls out a two-race program in Florida, there's two races for you. Let's just say they drop down three races for IAMI and Stock Honda throughout the season next year, that's going to give, that's going to give the 125 driver a chance to run a good six to eight races. There's events, you know, especially if he can go down to NOLA, if the winter nationals go back there again, wherever the summer nats are going to be next year. That's when you're trying to have brand stability, company stability for scoos to move over to the East. It's not surprising. We've seen WK try to do it in the past David. but they tried to get things rolling uh, over in, uh, in Northern California. They weren't able to really make that stick, but they made the attempt. And I think Rotax did the best job at one point being able to have regions all over the country. When Rotax was at its peak with the club, with the regional, and the Grand Nationals, which I believe was the best they had. I still yeah. think the U.S. Open was probably it, just not the right idea, idea. David, they were everywhere. Rotax if, was everywhere.
1: If there was anything to copy, that's what you copy. You copy the the, yeah. the core racers are those that are at the local and regional level. If you can make those numbers be successful, you don't have to promote the national level as much as you need to because people will want to be there. Uh, right now, you know, SCUZA has the, uh, the opportunity to be the lead headline national program right now. The problem is, is is there's all, like you said, we have a number of great little regionals around the country it's just there's no stability in in what they're doing. A lot of them are, are on their own. Some of them are part this, part that. It's just there's, there's not a lot of stability. But as long as we keep growing the numbers at the local and regional level, we'll be able to feed the, the national program in the future, and we don't have to, to keep marketing marketing them as much to get people to go there.
0: You know, we, we speak ad nauseum about the carding pyramid, David, how they – base of the pyramid the foundation club card it needs to be big it needs to be massive wide very expansive regional level you go up and i've always said this before any good regional level runs the classes that are in its club region all the clubs the top five guys at each club want to go for more competition they go to regional level the top regional level drivers they want more competition they go national and that's key like you just said as long as we have a good club foundation we were able to expand. That's one of the things I think the challenges for Supercarts USA and the reason why this expansion needs to happen is for all intents and purposes, they have a very, very strong California Pro Kart Challenge. They have a series that is good but needs more power and looks potentially like it's going to get some movement, and that's the Texas Pro Kart Challenge. And again, that's it. Other than the LAKC, then they have the Pro Tour. So their Scooz is trying to expand down into that regional level where they're going to have the four, five, six, seven regions. Back in the early 2000s, Uh, Jim Murley, who was the president of SCUZA back then, had probably eight regions going. Now, they weren't – nowadays, we think you need to have 150 guys in the region to make it strong, 150 entries. Back then, if you had 80 entries in a regional series, that was big.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, we're talking entries or are we talking drivers? Because that's another another realm within the industry is, oh, I have all these entries. Well, exactly how many drivers do you have? That's true. You know, the more drivers – yeah, the more drivers you have, the better. I mean, that's that's always the key because you can have these guys running multiple classes. That's great. But you want to have the driver number be higher than 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 what you uh, have before.
0: Yeah, whatever happens, there is going to be some expansion from Supercarts USA, and it'll be interesting to see the plans they do roll out for this uh, Eastern Pro Car Challenge series. Uh, Dave, one more little bit of news for Supercarts USA. We've known about it for quite a while. Kind of kept it quiet <laughs> after being asked. But it, it leaked out and some people jumped on it. Uh, Supercarts USA, Supernationals, essentially moving to the Strip. I think that's a little over the top. But essentially moving, what, a quarter mile uh, north of the, of the current parking lot at the Las Vegas uh, Convention Center to a new parking lot, which backs up onto the Strip. So there is that connection to the Strip. But even better, brand new pavement and essentially a much larger area as well to be able to to be able to, to put a track and a paddock in.
1: Well, the pavement is the, the key component of this this lateral move because again, it's not a new venue; it's the same. It's the same uh, Las Vegas Convention Center, same Westgate Host Hotel basically you're just going across at the crosswalk where everybody was supposed to cross that's right <laughs> and get into the paddock rather than going going uh where they were jaywalking everybody uh before in this past year but so the main the main key aspect is the pavement and everybody's everybody talks about that when you go to temporary circuits oh it's so rough Oh, the bumps are terrible blah 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 <laughs> now there's there's going to be with the pavement being super smooth as glass there's going to be no excuses so, oh, there will be. Well, yeah, of course, but the, you know, excuses are like assholes. Everybody has one. They smell.
0: <laughs> well, so. you know what? Hold on. That are we going to bleep that out? That's the first. No. Curse, that's the no. first curse word in debrief history.
1: I think we had ass before, but we'll talk about that. Well,
0: later. I would expect that it would have been me. That's just <laughs> that, this is the thing. I think somebody put the money on it was it going to be me that was going to drop the the bomb Um, first (laughs)
1: this is a podcast we're just going to let it all hang out i like that because nobody can see what we're wearing so why
0: not i agree (laughs) (laughs) okay that gives me that gives me just we're not in the same place folks just so you know Uh, david's in his office i'm in, in grand rapids i'm in my office in cambridge and so i am having Horrible thoughts right now, what David so, wears so, when he
1: works. So speaking of a smooth as glass.
0: You're wearing, you're wearing one of those one-piece jumpers, aren't you? There you the go. Rompers, right? Of course.
1: Of course. Red, white, and blue, baby.
0: Of course you are. America.
1: So, yeah. So it's going to take the excuses out of the equation. Yep. Just man yeah. up and drive. That's what's going to hey, be the you, great part about it.
0: Three great deals. Smooth pavement, larger lot, and yes, Uh, butting up on the the strip so people are going to be driving by they'll be able to do some marketing there uh you know you hear people talk about hey they need to have a beer garden and big grandstands and hey listen folks it's las vegas it's union run it'll be 14 bucks a beer grandstands are six or seven thousand bucks a piece to to drop because of per per butt it costs x amount of dollars plus insurance so let's not go crazy that there's going to be this huge bowl with beer and food that's ludicrously expensive if anybody wants to step up and drop a bunch of dough and sponsor that section that'll happen otherwise don't get your hopes up uh david this this is gonna roll into you now my friend um you were at the wk manufacturers cup series uh at the pittsburgh international race complex gorgeous weather (laughs) in wampum pennsylvania once again
1: yeah, you know, whenever we go there, I mean, the facility is a great facility to go to. You've never been there, but I've been there now multiple times and it it's kind of in a in a pretty cool location, but it's up and not necessarily a mountain, but a little little bit of a a rolling hill, you want to say. And you can you can just never tell what the weather's going to do. And I mean, it was forecasted to rain all weekend long. Thankfully, we got through Friday and Saturday with with uh no rain whatsoever. Uh, and then sunday the uh, the rain finally came and it came down hard uh, it looked like almost hurricane type weather your, your, social, uh, at your social
0: media posts were epic i was well, watching it going wow well
1: thankfully i got up into the tower just in time cuz being out there it was it was terrible trying to shoot photos in the in the weather and and it was the right call uh, during the yamaha senior final that they you know they had to red flag it because the rain was just so so much amount of rain came down, you could barely see to the other side of the facility. And when you can't see, it's obviously hard for officials to make sure everything's safe. So uh, they had to do that. But, you know, overall, they got through it, uh, even though it took a little bit of time to get back out on the racetrack uh, after the uh, the hard stuff went through. But, uh, you know, overall, it was a great weekend. It was probably one of the most successful weekends they had in terms of numbers because of moving to may when typically they have it towards the end of the year and towards the end of the year a lot of people you know kind of are on the fence whether they want to go or not so you know you typically see that in in a lot of these series where guys just just decide to just miss it not go well this being the second race of the series and also the first event of the new uh bridgestone midsummer shootout uh, or mid-season shootout is a uh, is an, another key factor in why numbers were were better than what they've seen in the past.
0: Uh, if you were to put some let's say spotlights on some of the drivers, what, what were some of the performances that you were impressed with?
1: Uh well, uh, Eaves won a couple races. He won a uh, Brandon Braden Eaves won Yamaha one day. Won uh, the Pro Senior in the wet. Uh, there He's was, on a roll right now. Yeah, I mean he, you know, he's been that that facility a number of times, so he's yeah. he's got and, and the great crazy thing was is he was on the VME in Spring Nats. Well, He went back to the Cosmic and the FA Cart for for this event, uh, which you know going back and forth cart to cart, different brands, especially with the VME being something completely different from uh, in the OTK brands. It's you know it was a good bounce back between the two. Uh, I'm trying to think off Dakota Pesic, That was a great, a uh, great emotional story. Yeah. Uh, losing yeah. his father a couple of weeks before the event, uh, he was able to come through during the rain race and win the Yamaha Senior race. So uh, it was a very great emotional win for him. It, it was a great moment to see a lot of the members of the paddock uh, braving the rain elements to go out on the fence line, you know, and then meet him at the scales with uh, a lot of a uh, stand up uh, standing ovation kind of as he came to the scales.
0: Says a lot about Dakota's uh, character I think to be able to gather it up and and stay focused and get the job done. That's really I was wow. really impressed when I saw that.
1: Yeah, you know, he has a great character and that that's what he, well before, you know, losing his father. His character has never been in question. You, you get him off the track, he's just calm and cool, collected, just likes to have fun, you know, always smiling. Just he never has a frown. But you get him on the racetrack, he's deadly. <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> He's out there for blood. So uh it's it was good to see him do that. Nice. But uh yeah, overall it was it was a good event. A lot of good racing, no major accidents. Oh, we did have the one the one with Caden Wharf uh flying straight off in turn 1. And as I, saw I mentioned the video in, on there. Yeah, as I mentioned in my from the tower, it was it was good that they have the the big blue bags that you call them uh there to kind of slow down his progress before hitting the tire barriers. It was uh, it was a very rare incident, and I, I, I it's very hard to really see what happened. They 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 say the the throttle stuck. It's just I I, I don't know, but it was a very interesting accident, and he only walked away with a, a fractured bone in his foot, and mm-hmm. you know he'll be able to make a full recovery, and I think he's going to get back in the race in the cart uh, very soon uh, without the boot. So, um, other than that, no, it was uh, it was a pretty safe weekend, and. Um, Looking forward to heading back there again this weekend.
0: Yeah, double duty for the EK and staff that weekend. Of course, David uh, was at the Man Cup race the same weekend. I was enjoying gorgeous weather. I apologize, David, <laughs> at in Richland, Washington. I, I headed to the uh, the Am Karting Challenge up at Horn Rapids Kart Track. Mike Rawlsen inviting me up to do the play by play for that event. Man, I, you know what, David? You mentioned that I've never been to to uh, Pittsburgh before. The, the X beaver run track i've never actually been there but i'm going to knock a couple of races off my bucket list here this year when i'm doing the can am i'm i'm going to chilliwack i've never been up to the race the track in chilliwack british columbia uh, but i've never been to tri city either the tri city carters uh, in richland and what a fantastic facility just elevation changes the, the 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 grass is all watered plush they've got flowers you know flower beds uh, a, a covered uh, pit lane just a am Really an impressive facility. What, man, I would love to have that in my backyard because it's a great track. And just great people as well. Uh, the event was big. Not massive. Let's not say it was big. It was great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Mike Rawlison and his crew put on a great race. Chris Egger and his entire family there uh, to help officiate the event. Uh, that series definitely is in transition. They had some pretty good numbers in the, uh, the Rotax categories. Not amazing, but decent numbers in Rotax. They're transitioning into the IME program. They dropped the Micro and Mini Max in favor of the Micro and Mini Swift. Uh, they had maybe four or five, I think four in the Micro and one in the Mini class. They're expecting more to come for Chilliwack. So that this will be a series to watch to see how it transitions again. We talked at the top of the broadcast, David, about how things are going to change uh, with Rotax kind of not having really any leadership at this point. Um, and I think you're going to see that series just start to pick up. You know, we're hearing... More, I believe next week they're going to be delivering, starting to deliver the engines for the IAMI trade in. They put the trade in program together, offering people to bring their Rotax in for an IAMI. And I'm being told uh, there 75 engines have already been pre sold, pre traded. So uh, this, is, this could affect the, the KM Karting Challenge. Nonetheless, uh, the event was good. I, re- I really enjoyed it. The racing was solid. Uh, nice barbecue sponsored by Wicked Fabrication for, uh, for Friday evening. Uh, Senior Max was good racing. Like, I mean, this track, it's a club track. It's not a 30-foot-wide national-level racetrack that you see nowadays. It's been around a long time. Horn Rapids is legendary in IKF racing. Uh, Wow. I mean, that's the first time I've been there, David. Great racing. Kyle Dupel and Mason Buck, uh, the winners in Senior Max. Hannah Greenmeyer continuing her kind of role of momentum. She was able to win on Saturday, but uh, Jason Leone came back on uh, on Sunday and challenged some of the best racing of course David as I'm, I won't be surprising you the 206 class was just awesome uh, eight drivers in the lead pack uh, Jacob Gulick was able to win on Saturday and of course the veteran Derek Wang coming back on Sunday it was just good racing David it was, it was that kind of tight hardcore racing where with those elevation changes and some off camber corners and you know, up a hill and blocking down here just good racing and I think this leads into one thing, and I don't know if you saw it on anybody saw it on on social media. Uh, Chris Egger was the race director, and Mike Rawlison has fully instituted the pushback bumper system. There was a couple bumper penalties early, but David through the rest of the weekend. I don't think we ever had a had a bumper a bumper penalty, and that was at hard run into turn number one at, at Tri Cities, which is a right hand downhill corner, and then into another essentially a one eighty at the bottom of the hill. You could see guys checking up and making sure they didn't hit anybody. It was, it really was, I'm going to say, a a really good demonstration of what the pushback can do. Now, not 40 go karts and, you know, 15 to 17, but the racing was clean. And Chris Egger, he'll tell you, definitely a fan of the pushback after what he saw at Tri City.
1: Well, I'm shocked he's race directing again. I thought he was done.
0: (laughs) I, I don't think he wants to put up with the BS of <laughs> national-level racing on the well, so, Winter Tour. But you know what? To come out to that race, I th- he loves coming out to, to Rawlson's event. Mike and the whole crew, they put just a great atmosphere. Well, you know, it, so it,
1: it's, that's, that's yeah, why he wants the pushback bumper, because it's less work for him. He just has somebody else do that.
0: You know what? And it did it. It honestly <laughs> wow. did it. That's what it's there for. It, it, it was good. I was, it's the first time I've seen it in action. You know, I, I hadn't been to GoPro for USPKS when they had it there. Um, it's interesting. I, 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 I talked to Tom Kutcher because I know that a lot of people are asking uh, for them to, to bring it into the, the, the Pro Tour, and, and it'll be interesting because right now, from what I saw, I'm a fan of it as well. It, it looked really impressive to me. I, you didn't hear some of the USPKS stuff where people said that, hey, I went over a curb, and it happened coming over the curb. This, this particular weekend, and I know USPKS has evolved theirs, David, they just went straight 10-second penalty if it's employed when you come in 10 second penalty and, and I, it it changed the starts it really did
1: yeah this is going to be my first weekend with the pushback bumper so i'll be able to uh to see and understand the experience with it and and at pittsburgh there's there's no excuse for uh curbing because the curbing there is smooth you know, if you hit it, it's not going to, like, jar it. Like, you know, the GoPro is kind of like the alligator teeth or whatever they call that. Yeah. Um. But, you know, so and, – and they, I think they kind of solved it at Route 66, their second race with the pushback bumper, you know, those officials, understanding what it's doing, and and it'll be good to see what how USPKS polices it because that's the other side of the equation is, is exactly how you police it before you go on racetrack, you know. People are claiming they're doing special tricks to the bumpers. And so it's it's an evolution within the industry, and it's a work in progress. And so there's not going to be anything perfect, but it's at least a start to help solving these insane and idiotic starts that we've been seeing.
0: You know, David, I think one of the interesting things is that it's going to happen on both sides as well. You mentioned that the USPKS crew – evolving figuring out how they're going to handle it um, kind of changing the way they're going to uh, lay penalties out it's the same thing for the drivers you mentioned that the cr- racing has been crazy the starts have been ridiculous in a number of the organizations this will be now the second USPKS race so all those guys that that complained about it the first time are going to learn and not drive as hard to turn number one some of them ro- dr- uh, drove in the Route 66 series as well which is great so they've had a couple of opportunities to kind of use this pushback bumper system and I I'm hoping that this will be the opportunity now that, Hey, you know what? It's sunk in. I lost spots. I got deep docked uh, time at the last race. I got to be smart. And really it's a learned behavior, right? David, you and I have talked about this many times with so many people in the industry. It's like quitting smoking. It's like quitting drinking. It's like quitting biting your fingernails. You do it. And it's going to take people getting hit and hit and hit over the head before that learned behavior, that, that, uh, just that thing you always do the way you approach it changes so once a change uh, the approach changes we're going to see better racing we already saw it very quickly at the race i was at the can am race hopefully you're going to see it this weekend
1: well at gopro i have the numbers in front of me at gopro there are 41 penalties handed out <laughs> oh, over wow. the weekend which which isn't bad for seven categories 41 yeah. ca- penalties over two days not a bad thing i mean and, and, and to be honest, the bigger class had the more penalties, so that's what you're going to see. Yep. The bigger the class is, the more penalties you're going to see with that, because, like you were talking about in the compared from a 20 cart field to a 40 cart field you're, you're definitely going to have more guys pushing in a 40 cart field than uh, in just
0: class. more opportunity to find guys to get penalized when there's 15 guys in the field or 40 there's just you obviously multiply the opportunity to have it now, personally, I think it's going to be great I, I, I'm now to a certain extent, a fan of it. I saw it in action. It was successful. A smaller event. You're going to go to this event, much larger event. You're going to get a feel for it yourself. And when we come back to next week's debrief, I'm looking forward to debriefing you and, and finding out where your thoughts on it uh, are on it after you've seen it in action.
1: Hey, now. All, right. <laughs> All right. Let's
0: keep rocking here. Indy 500 next up. Not really straight up racing, karting, but the simple fact is that we had a lot of karting graduates, David. Guys that we watched come through the Stars of Karting events, Superkarts USA events. The Indy 500, again, the greatest spectacle in racing. I had a chance to be there. Uh, you know, to watch these kids from the Mazda Road to Indy uh, jump up into the program, I'm telling you. To watch the, the Gabby Chavez, Zach Veach, Jack Harvey, uh, Ed Jones. Ed Jones won the Indy Lights program last year. What a monster. Like, he didn't win Rookie of the Year, which was a shame. But he was absolutely impressive all weekend long. It was, or all month long, let's put it that way. It's, it was really it was cool for me to see some of these young karting kids we've known for so long perform so well in the, in the well, biggest race in the world.
1: For you, those, those are the Mazda Indy guys. I'm talking the karting guys, which is like Spencer Piggott and Sage Karam that I recall seeing as cadet drivers.
0: Hey, yeah. I, I got a list here. <laughs> Remember Stars of Karting, right? Sage Stars of
1: Karting, yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Sage Karam, Cadet. Gabby Chavez in Cadet. We watched Carlos Munoz in Cadet. We watched Carlos Munoz. I want to say he won the race at Shano one year in Stars of Karting as well. Carlos, of yes. course, running for AJ Foyt Racing. He finishes 10th. Yep. Gabby Chavez finishes 9th. He's a Super Nationals winner, too. Recent Super Nationals winner. Yes. Sevedra, get <laughs> Daly, Newgarden. These are the guys we've watched for 10 years.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, we did a story on Daly and Newgarden a couple of years when Daly made his Indy 500 debut. And, you know, it's very cool to see those kids, you know, they started at Newcastle together in karting. Obviously very two different paths with Daly being a second-generation driver and Newgarden fresh from Nashville trying to figure out what karting is all about. And, you know, those two different paths and, and where they've gone. And even even in their open-wheel careers, you know, going different paths but similar with the Team USA scholarship program, but then daily spending most of his time in Europe and and Joseph here in in the United States. But um, it's very, very cool. Every year, is the 500 is very exciting. And, And there's 33, you know, like we say at the Supernets, there's so many different stories there. There's so many different stories you see at the Indy 500 playing out over those 500 miles. When it comes down to it,
0: Sorry. if you just talk karting, David, we've, we've talked about it before, and we've looked back at, at, at when we did it on eKartingNews.com, you do a full grid of the 33, and there's probably only two or three drivers that didn't get their start in karting. Ed Carpenter being one of them, Buddy Lazier, another one, almost you know, to the full field, has started in karting. And for you and I, I, I Dave, I had a lot of conversations with guys just sitting on the wall, kind of laughing that wow, can you believe we got here? That That these kids that that ran cadet karting are now at the Indianapolis 500 and it's funny they still feel that way. They just kind of shake in their head like I can't, I can't believe I'm actually even here. And whether well, it is Gabby or or Zach Veach this year, of course got his start starting karting at Circleville. Um not
1: even hey, not even just drivers, but also we got a lot of engineers that are oh, either p- past carters or current carters and a lot of the spotters are involved in karting as well. So I walk up
0: and down the grid, Dave, it's, it's Brandon Fry with Max. Well, that,
1: that was the one that I was going to bring up because, I w- yeah. you know, he's leading. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Brandon Fry is going to win the 500 as a race engineer. This is amazing. I remember doing rental cart racing with him at MRP, you know, just, just that type of stuff. Like, you get so involved emotionally for a lot of these people who are involved in, in all the different teams that are up and down the pit lane there. it's just It's so, it's so exciting.
0: Well, no, look and, and just simply put, look up on the in the in the uh, the spotter stands as well. You've got Mike Marini, Chris Wheeler, Brian Robson, um,
1: Matt Long,
0: yeah, and Steve Welk, like Steve. <laughs> yeah, yep. you can have a you can have a pretty solid little all star race uh, from, from some of the guys up in the in the, in the spotter stand as well.
1: Oh, my race. money, my money's on Wheeler taking everybody out. So,
0: <sighs> wow, that's uh, <laughs> that's a great shot right there. That is <laughs>
1: so. So, aside from all those different stories, what was kind of your take? You know, working pit lane for for again for IndyCar radio. What was kind of your take throughout the event? Was it just too busy for you to take in what was going on there, or were you just focused on on what your drivers in pit lane were doing?
0: Uh, the funny thing is, it's and again just absolute thrill and an honor for me to be able to be part of the IndyCar radio team again. What a just a passionate group of broadcasters and you know i had a chance to you know during the the weekend when i was doing uh, the events of the indycar grand prix as well to, to sit down and work with guys like bob jenkins which is amazing but during a race like that i'm focused on on 10 drivers i'm working with their pr directors i'm listening on a scanner those are my 10 drivers that i have to report on throughout the race but at the end of the event i'm going to be i'm going to be interviewing some guys in the top 10 so i got to make sure i follow the entire race as well and i had a chance to talk to ed jones at the end. I talked to Dale Coyne. I talked to Marco Andretti. So you have to be able to follow the entire event for me though, David, and this is, I'm still a racing fan. And of course in my headset, I've got programs. So I'm listening to the IndyCar radio broadcast. I'm, I'm hearing it and these guys are fired up and I'm, I'm a fan. So I get caught in it every once in a while where I'm kind of watching this race or listening to this race unfold. You can't see anything from pit lane. So I'm watching on a big screen. And to me, it was thrilling. Uh, You know, the wreck with uh, Jay Howard, thankfully Jay's fine. Of course, Scott Dixon, holy mackerel, unbelievable. And and when he walked, I didn't didn't see the wreck. When I finally looked up after I heard it on the radio, he was already getting out of the car, which was, you know, my heart was racing, which was, and it was just thrilling to see him get out of the car and and just be safe. Um, But the race just had so many different storylines. And those last number of laps, I was in the Ed Jones pit and I mean, people were on pins and needles. They were all just looking at each other like (laughs) what's happening right now. And it's, it's a, it's an incredible experience Um, for all the races. I've got a chance to announce 20 something years of karting events and road to Indy stock car events uh, to be part of the Indianapolis 500 is just an an absolute blessing, but to be part of it at that level where the excitement just kind of reverberates through you the entire time, it's, well, I thought it was one of the better Indy 500s I've ever seen. And, and to see Takuma Sato uh, be able to get that win at the end. Just such an awesome guy in the paddock. Always gracious for, with an inter- interview. And to be able to come back after the, you know, the, the issue he had trying to go around Dario Franchitti and into the wall to be able to get that victory. He was able to get it. One day I want J.R. Hildebrand to be able to you know, turn around after his bad wreck. And when he could have won it, I want him to be able to win as well. But in the end, I think just a great story for Sato to win.
1: Yeah, I forgot about the uh the Franchitti incident. I forgot yeah. about that. He went uh, for the just, win though.
0: He yeah. went for the win against Frankeidy and that's, that's that's the kuma. That's
1: he, what you ha- and we saw that a little bit in the race some guys were trying to hold the outside line and for some it was working but unfortunately for some like Daly where it, it just didn't work and it, it, that's what that's what's so crazy about Indy is is, is sometimes the, the chips roll your way and sometimes they don't.
0: Well, at the end you could see Elio Castro Neves had the outside lane working and that was until the crowd that's the one thing about indy too even through my headset you could hear them when he went around the outside the whole place just erupts you know screaming and yelling <laughs> connor just was there was four there were four wide going into the corner he yeah. tried to get in there had to, re, had, to re, had to correct on turn in had to check up so he wouldn't hit the guy in front of him and, and you're in the wall the other in my pit box i had sebastian Bourdieu's replacement, James Davison. And I was listening on the radio with James. And, and you say there's a guy that everything changes. Start of the race, it was like, just get a top 10. I interviewed his, uh, his race strategist and engineer, Craig Hampson. And they said, he said to me, a top 10 is a win for us. Well, James was making the right moves where Connor went in deep. James was in the middle of that five, six-car scrum and kind of backed out of it a bit. And You saw a lot of that where guys, TK for one, would get in there and, well, you know what, experience told him to back out. And that's what James showed. They had a good car and they made it better. They were down on it. Every time they came in, it was either a front or a rear wing change to get him better. And kind of got off sequence a bit. He finds himself in third. And the incident with, between him and Oriel Servia, you know, he was pinching down. Oriol didn't, he was still on the inside, didn't back out of it. And they end up all on the wall with that, that final caution. And, and that's what, Indy comes down to it. A couple people talked to me and said, well, why would James have done that and needed to back out? And I said, I think their expectations changed from a top 10 to, hey, we can win this. (laughs) And when you think you could win the Indianapolis 500, you know, you got to roll the dice.
1: You got to go for it. it. You got to go for it. We saw that with like Jake Craig at Supernats, you know, when the opportunity is there for the biggest race of the season. You got to go for it.
0: Oh, what a win that was too. You're right. And you know what? Similar to a Sato able to be there at the right time. Jake was able to get through and, and that win last year, ridiculously awesome.
1: Quick little bit about back to Sato being the first Japanese winner to win for the, for the, uh, for the Indy 500. What do you think that's going to do in terms of, of carting and even maybe the Mazda Road Indy program for down the future for, you know, people, young people in, in Japan looking up to him uh, as an Indy 500 winner.
0: You know, I, I think as the Mazda Road to Indy kind of developed, David, it was interesting because we had some British drivers come over, uh, guys that were totally focused on trying to get to Formula One, changed, the, changed what they were going to do and decided to come over to run Indy Lights or, or wherever it may be. And that opens the, you know, opens the eyes of a lot of guys over in the U.K. saying, hey, you know what, I, I probably can't make F1. I, you know, somebody just bought a seat for $80 million. Uh, I don't have that. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to be in a back marker team if I'm lucky. So a lot of guys are looking this way. And that's going to happen, I think, the same way. I think you're going to see young Japanese drivers saying, hey, you know what? I want to beat Takuma Sato now. You know, they've got some great GT racing in Japan. The Japanese GT Series is fantastic. Great open wheel racing as well. And a lot of karting. Um, I think that Takuma's win is going to elevate the Verizon IndyCar Series to an aspiration for a lot of young Japanese drivers. And um, I don't think we're going to see them come over into our karting ranks. They may come over to the Super Nats. So maybe that may be an idea to, to come over and assimilate themselves a bit uh, in the U.S. culture, in the U.S. racing community. I think we, I would not be surprised to see a couple of Japanese drivers find their way into the Mazda Road to Indy because it's simply the, the best way. Uh, Spencer Pickett's the example. He didn't have the money to make it to the, the IndyCar program, but when you win four scholarships, including the Indy Lights Championship, and and you find yourself in the Indianapolis 500, it, it's an opportunity. And I, I think that – I think Sato's win is going to change a lot of aspirations for young kart racers in Japan.
1: Well, yeah, we see CIK and the FIA kind of with their Asia Championships. So, mm-hmm. so there is a little bit of, of focus on growing karting over there. But, yeah, like you said, it will be a little difficult to see – some of those drivers coming over here to the United States to race. But again, yeah, that definitely opens the door for the Mazda road in any program.
0: It was a fantastic way to cap off the month of May, the Indianapolis 500. I really enjoyed it. And the great thing, it was a huge weekend as well for a number of other programs. We'll talk more about that in next week's debrief as the KPX series got going again. There was a lot of racing. Of course, we always like to throw a little operation grassroots information into our podcast here. nothing, Right now, to come up to, to, to bring you, we're going to, of course, talk about KPX and other events next week. I am working on a piece for eCardinews.com that's going to highlight some of the great 206 stories that are kind of unfolding right now around the country. There's just some great pockets where the Briggs 206 program is again reinvigorating club racing and grassroots racing. So look for that on the website. David, let's cap off this podcast with the Comet Kart Sales Racing Calendar. Uh, this weekend, uh, it's busy for you. For me, no. I'm I'm going to listen to you and Tim Cohen uh, do the play-by-play from the the USPKS race in Pitt. But lots of other racing going on as well.
1: Yeah, I'll be at uh, Pittsburgh for the United States Pro Kart Series. And then on the other side of the country, you'll have the California Pro Kart Challenge making its return back to the Cal Speed Karting Center. Uh, it's been a few years. I believe 2010 was the last yeah. time the series went there. It's been a, while. Uh, a lot of road racing this weekend. We have the uh, Nation- WKA National Road Racing Series at Summit Point uh, in West Virginia. That's always a, uh, a big turnout there. And then we have the Championship Enduro Series getting back in action at the famous Black Hawk Farms Raceway on the Illinois Wisconsin border. It's always funny to go there because you got part of the racetrack, which is almost on the Wisconsin side of the border, and then the rest in the Illinois side. So uh, that's always a good turnout because they have a lot of great uh, extracurricular activities going on Saturday <laughs> evening. Uh, um, and then uh, up in your neck of the woods, uh, Eastern Canadian Karting Championship gets back into action at the Tremblant facility.
0: What a, great, what a great track. I had a chance to uh, do the play-by-play there for the Canadian Nationals one year. It was great. Following that, June 9th, 10th, and 11th, the Texas Pro Cart Challenge heads back to Katy, Texas, Gulf Coast Cartway. That program, again, getting bigger and bigger. If you're a Texas driver, get yourself out to the Texas Pro Cart Challenge. Uh, 206 Cup back in action at 61 Cartway. And again, as David said, lots of road racing going on in the month of June. The Cart Drivers, the Carters of America Racing Triad and Mars Series at Lake Garnett. That is a legendary circuit, David Cole.
1: Well, it, it, it's, yeah, it's kind of a circuit because it's not really a track. It's, right. it's a park. Lake Garnett and Lake Afton are, are essentially one of the most rarest circuits to go race at. And, and it, these guys are crazy to do it. <laughs> I'm put, plain and simple. They're nuts.
0: Father's Day weekend, June 16th, 17th, and 18th. The vintage racing at Newcastle. The WK National Road Race Series at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. One of my favorite racetracks.
1: Oh. Yeah, that's oh. actually AKRA. Sorry. Oh, sorry, David. Yep. Yep.
0: AKRA, that's right. AKRA has their series at uh, Mid-Ohio. The LAKC, round number five at Cal Speed. Rock Cup USA, the Midwest Series. I believe that's their opener at OVRP. Am I correct with that, David? Correct. Right on. And the Route 66 Sprint Series. Uh, again, one of the top regional series in the country. Over 100 and probably 60, 170 uh, entries for that event at MRP. You going to do any racing, David, yourself in the next little while? I, I'm taking three weeks off. I was on the road for, four, <laughs> for five weeks. I'm taking three weekends off. Are you going to get behind the wheel or what?
1: Well, this weekend, obviously, I'm busy. So, uh, and then after that, you know, we, we still got some baseball going on here. That's uh, You're a so father. It's, it's a busy, busy, busy time right now. But uh, ho- hopefully we'll see maybe something Father's Day weekend. We'll see if uh, we'll be uh, able to take the family there.
0: Speaking of baseball, your kid's a player, it looks like.
1: He's getting there, you know, third, fourth grade league. Uh, he's obviously one of the younger ones in the, cl- in the, in the team, but uh, he's, he's definitely making improvements each and every week. So, and that's, you know, just like racing, that's all you can do. The more time you play, the, the better you can get, and, and so that's all we keep asking for him, and he's doing good a man. really good job.
0: I love it. That's great. So, again, we want to thank Comet Cart Sale for presenting this week's racing calendar. Gave you three weekends of competition that are coming up. David, let's cap this thing off. Uh, you want a little preview of the weekend for USPKS? Any any thoughts heading into this particular event uh, over in Pittsburgh?
1: One word: rain. <laughs> it's gonna rain. <laughs> it's probably gonna rain again. I mean, it, the forecast keeps changing. First time I looked at it, it was supposed to be rain every day. Now I think it's saying only Sunday. I bet tomorrow it'll say Saturday and Sunday. Who knows? It's just rain's gonna factor in somehow. We just don't know how it's gonna do it.
0: Here's the key to that, and the the funny thing is, I I had a lot of talks. You know, obviously Mazda Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires sponsoring this particular uh, edition of the debrief. I see a lot of kids that are trying to get into the the, the ladder system, whether it's Road to Indy or sports cars or or, or not sports cars, whatever they're doing. And I ask them, you know, when we're having a rain event, and I go, "Well, are you good in the rain? Do you like the rain?" And I've got, I've had people say to me, "I've never driven in the rain." And I, it just blows me away because a weekend like this where you're going to get rain, and some people say, might say, well, I don't want to go out. It's going to rain. This is the best opportunity to train a young driver. They have to drive in the rain. Driving in the rain is going to make you a better driver in the dry, but you need to have experience in the rain if you ever want to go anywhere in racing. If you're trying to become a professional race car driver, it's a must. If Even if you want to go regional or national racing, David, you have to get experience in the rain.
1: Yeah, that's that's one of the columns I'm working on that that hopefully we'll be able to publish. But I mean, it it's part of motorsports. I mean, we we see it at Loma a lot of times, where throughout the 24 hours, you're going to see some type of different weather conditions that you just have to adapt to. And if you want to be at that next level you need to be able to race in rain you need sometimes snow we've seen it you know That's we've true. had to cancel snow where it's just freezing cold you can bar- you could barely feel your hands on the steering wheel but you have to be able to mentally get through it and physically get through and learn and know how to to uh, to be able to the race craft with, with the with a with different changing conditions
0: you have to adapt you No know doubt about it well folks there you go We are wrapped up with edition number four of the EKN Debrief. Thrilled that you guys are are tuning in and and subscribing to the program on Podbean. Uh, We love the fact that you're letting people know about it. Uh, Once you're done listening here, do us a favor and, and hop on Facebook, Twitter, share this out. The idea is to get more people listening, to just let people know that we're doing it. Awareness is key. We're trying to give you the best content we possibly can, trying to bring you some new stuff. We know... Uh, the feedback we've got, David, people listening, of course, when they're rolling down the road, maybe a, doing a, uh, a drive to work, whatever it may be, take karting in the road, take karting in the shop. We're thrilled that you're doing it. We do want to thank our sponsors. Of course, the Mazda Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires, our presenting sponsor of this particular broadcast. You can pick any of the series online, usf2000.com, promazda.com, indielights.com. Of course, Comet Cart Sales, our presenter of this Week's racing calendar. You can check them out at com and, of course, Comet Racing Engines. David Cole, any final words before we shut this one down?
1: Uh, We'll see you in uh, Pittsburgh this weekend for everybody that's going to listen tonight and uh, tomorrow.
0: Very nice, guys. Lots of great racing. And, again, EKN Live, the broadcast of the USPKS Series from the Pittsburgh International Race Complex. David Cole and uh, the voice of the series, Tim Coyne, bringing you a live broadcast throughout the weekend. Again, thank you to our sponsors, David Cole. Great job on behalf of David. This has been Rob Howden, another broadcast here of the EKN Debrief. We'll see you next time.